Welcome to Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Here's your trio of hosts, Dan, John, and Danny. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm John. Welcome back, John. Glad to be here. Nice to have you here. Thanks for showing up. Oh, for once. appearance once in a while. (laughs) That's right. Well, you get the celebrity status, right? So yeah, you you know you can pick and choose, right? Yes, yes. Yes. And And also, you got the you missed our episode fifty. I did, and oh, because I've daughters issues, two girls in university, dental dental issue. Yes, (laughs) that is still unresolved, but. At least I can drink cold things again. Teeth falling yeah. out of your head. Yeah. Right. Mid-age. Exactly. <laughs> Middle age. <laughs> if you live to be 106. And uh, joining us is, uh, I'm going to let you say the name, Linda. Linda. You said it right before. Hastrader. Hastrader. Is that good, Linda? Yes. It sounds good. And Linda, you are, are you the owner or the manager or both of the Iron Island Museum in Buffalo, New York? I am the president of the Iron Island Preservation Society, um, which is the owner of the Iron Island Museum. All righty. Can you tell us a little bit about the Iron Island Museum? Well, um, we have been in, in the building now for 19 and a half years. It was built in 1883 as a church, Methodist Episcopal Church. It closed down in the late 40s and sat empty until 1956. When an individual purchased it, rebuilt it, or I shouldn't say rebuilt it, he built a building inside of a building to a funeral home, and it opened in 1958. So it's been a funeral home since 1958 to 2000 when it was donated to our organization for the museum, which is a neighborhood city of Buffalo Railroad um, military museum, many, many, many different artifacts. So we've been in the building itself for, um, nine, like I said, 19 and a half years. Now, is Iron Island, is it an actual place, or is that just the name of the, uh, the museum itself? No, it is actually a place. It's a neighborhood um, I live in, grew up in, and where the museum is. Okay. And um, we are called Iron Island because we're completely surrounded by a railroad track. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So beings, it, it was a church, it was a funeral home, and I looked at your website. You uh, certainly promote that the place is haunted. Yes, it is. Um, we had, when we first um, moved into the museum, um, we got the key on August 1st, 2000, and a bunch of us just started running around the, the building itself, um, trying to figure out what we're going to do, where we're going to put everything. And um, we ran down into the basement, and in the basement we found 24 cremated remains that oh. had not been picked up. Oh. Oh. Um, so that was the start of it. Um, another thing regarding this building is that I had um, a brother. His name was Jimmy. He was um, born in 1963, and he was born mentally retarded. And, um, and he unfortunately died in 1969, and he was waked out of this building in September of 1969. I was eight years old at the time. He was six. Um, so there was a lot of, there was still a lot of personal connection to the building itself. We take over the building. We find the cremated remains, wrote down their names and dates of death, and turned it back over to the funeral director. And it turned out the remains were from the original funeral director um, from years ago. As soon as we moved in and started putting up displays, uh, just strange, you know, things started to happen to everyone. 
Um, anyone who would, you know, volunteer there, we'd go in there and things would happen. Pictures would be moved. Um, you'd hear voices. You'd see shadows. But no one ever really um, told each other about it. We just kind of let it happen and um, waited for the next thing, I guess. Never realized it was haunted. It wasn't certainly what we went in there for. So you believe that it was maybe the cremated remains that uh, have maybe caused the hauntings and the things that have happened here? You know, we we didn't know. I mean, back in, in, in 2000, when we got the building, paranormal activity and hauntings really weren't, quote-unquote, the thing. They weren't talked about. People didn't talk about that stuff until some of the shows started coming out about hauntings. And then it seemed more proper to, to mention it, to talk about that stuff going on. You know, we started amongst ourselves, we started to talk about it and say, um, you know, this happened to me, this happened to me. And we're like, oh, that happened to you? That's the same thing that happened to me. And, um, you know, it, it, right in the beginning, my very first experience was in December of 2000 when I was way in the back of the building, which is a kitchen in the old living quarters of the original funeral director, um, I was preparing for a party. And um, up in the front of the building, there were tables and ch- chairs set up, and I could hear the lum- aluminum chairs being banged together. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? I literally ran out of the building. I didn't stay in there. Um, so the big joke is, is, you know, we own this building, and I won't even go in it alone. To this and day. I, I, to this day, well, you still won't go in alone? I, I go into the back area where the kitchen is, and I will stand by the garage and wait for people to come. I will not go up into the front of the building. And not that that doesn't mean the back is haunted, but at the front of the building is just, you know, it's dark, you know, before huh. you turn out the lights on. You know, there's no windows aside hmm. from one window. It's just as beautiful as it is, as, as creepy as, as it is to me. Well, now were were you a believer in the paranormal or spirits before you uh, got involved with the Iron Island Museum? I have to be honest; it's not anything that that ever crossed my mind. I mean, I believed in you know spirits or ghosts or whatever, but again, I just never thought about it. It it just was never something that interests me. You know, it scared me all the time. Uh, my sister had talked about how she used to see a woman dressed in white walk up our bedroom stairs hmm. in the house I grew up in and um, but that was pretty much the only thing that was ever talked about hmm. was never discussed I certainly believe it now let me tell you that <laughs> <laughs> has anyone ever gone through uh, like a psychic or a medium and told you how many spirits are actually connected to the building if you don't mind I will tell you a story uh, absolutely about... that's why we're here okay we're um Seven years we were in the building, and um, all this stuff was going on. We finally started talking about it, and my sister had said to me, why don't you just write to Gold Hunters? And I said, okay, or whatever, you know. So I wrote to him. I sent him an email. I gave him the history of the building, um, the church, the funeral home, the personal connection that my brother was awake there. And they decided within 24 hours that they were coming there to take the show. They came in June of 2008, and they taped the show there. It turned out that they had found so much evidence that they made us their season opener on September 3rd, 2008, and we were an hour long. And they they picked up voices, EVPs that were just phenomenal. They, they, the way the building is 
structure, like it said, uh, the original uh, funeral director built a building inside of the building. So if you take down all the walls, all the original church is still underneath it. There's never been a second floor, but he lowered all the ceilings, and you can climb up the ladder and look into the rafters of what is the old church. So the, the cathedral ceilings, all the stained glass is still there. And when they were there, they heard walking up in the attic area, as we call it, but there was there's no floor. So they went up the ladder, and they were charged at a man up in the rafters. So after after the show aired, I mean, needless to say, it, it you know it's extremely popular. We've got thousands, thousands, and thousands of people. Well, Chip Coffee, who is I'm sure who you know is a psych comedian from Atlanta, Georgia, he came to the museum and he he came about. They were there in, in June of '08. He came in August of '09, and he walked around the building and every place he went, he would tell me what he felt in the front room. We um, we lovingly call it the kids' room now because it's haunted by a couple of children. He told me that there was a little boy there, and he said the little boy is six years old, mm-hmm. and he died from drowning. And I kind of shrugged my shoulders. He said he, he comes here a lot, but he doesn't stay all the time. He goes back and forth. Well, after he left, I ended up going through the records of um, that were left there back from the old funeral director, and sure enough, we found a little boy by the name of Richard New who had died at the age of six, and he died from drowning. Hmm. And he was waked out of our building. Now, the biggest connection with that was the fact that he said he goes back and forth. And his father or his parents owned the house about seven houses down the street from the museum, and they still live there, hmm. hence going back and forth. Um, then um, he walked through the building, he climbed up the ladder, and he went up, and he saw the man in the rafters. And he came downstairs and he said to me, the man's name begins with the letter E. And again, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders because, you know, you just don't know what to believe or not to believe. And he said, the man's name is Edgar. And I said, well, Edgar, that's a weird name. You know, I didn't expect anything like that. And, you know, he went on, I told us a few other things and um, went on his way. And then a few months later, I happened to be looking at the list of cremains that were left in the basement. And on the list was a man by the name of Edgar Zernicki. So I figured that was our spirit. One of our spirits up in the rafters was our Edgar. So what had happened with that is that Edgar Zernicki turned out to um, fight in the Battle of Nicaragua in 1928. And I realized he was a veteran. He was in the U.S. Marine. One of the other things that um, I do is I'm the, the Region 1 coordinator for the Patriot Guard Riders Veteran Recovery Program. And the Patriot Guard Riders is a motorcycle organization that was started in 2005 to block military or protesters at military burials. And one of our other missions is to find unclaimed cremated remains of veterans and give a proper burial. But once I realized Edgar was a veteran, I realized I could, we could give him a proper burial. But we had to find his family. And um, I ended up finding his 74-year-old son at the time. This was in 2010. I found his 74-year-old son in Spain, and he gave me the proper permission to bury him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, seven more of the remains in the basement were veterans. And we found their families all over the country. And on September 24, 2010, we gave them all proper military burial at the Bath National Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And, and that was because of the spirit in our attic and Chip Coffee giving us his name. 
so there were things we were definitely able to document that, that, that Chip had told us and, you know, it all turned out to be good as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, finding Edgar and seven other veterans and, and burying them properly was a, a good thing. And, and it's not a coincidence um, that you were the one who has the building. Like, you, you know, we keep saying there's no such thing as coincidences. And here you are involved right. with this group. And here are veterans that need to be buried. And all of a sudden, here you come, right? And it, it took us a while, though. That's what's so weird about it. I mean, it seems like it was the appropriate time, you know, for for all those years. um no one talked about it. No one said anything to about anything. And and meanwhile, you know, people are seeing this shadow man in our building, and um, they, you know, of course, we won't don't know who he is, but we he's one of the shadow men, I should say. But here we were able to identify him. It really, you know, was a a, a great thing. Has Edgar returned at all? Uh... Everybody asked me that. I I. I you know, we see different things around, and, and we hear different things that were kind of related to what he would do, mm-hmm. but not as often right. as we okay. used to. I still think he visits, um, but what do I know? I mean, it could be something <laughs> else. So, you know, who knows? You yeah. know. <laughs> right. Is there one prominent spirit that uh, lets itself known more than the others? Uh, there is actually, and, and it's more of a residual type of haunt. As a, there's a child there that um, we pick up an EVP quite a bit of uh, this child saying hello or saying um, mommy. You know, it's, it's like if we put the recorder in the same spot, we get that same voice, the same little child's voice. Um, you know, we haven't been able to identify who it may be. But um, in the 1960s, in our neighborhood, for some reason, there were a lot of uh, deaths of children, whether they died at birth, whether they died at a young age, whether they got hit by cars, and they were waste out of that building. Mm. And you just kind of wonder if um, the children are still there. Now, being a, a museum, uh, what uh, sort of items do you have in your museum? We have quite a bit. Um, we have uh, three main rooms, um, including the basement, the, the basement included, um, so the four. But they're pretty much like the first room is our railroad room. And like I explained, um, we're completely surrounded by railroad tracks. And you used to have to go over or under tracks to get into the neighborhood. And they called us a city within a city. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of railroad memorabilia in there, a lot of neighborhood business memorabilia, um, neighborhood schools, stuff is in there that people can go to. A lot of different city of Buffalo stuff, just quite a bit of a lot of it related to the railroad. And the one room, we call it the military room, um, we have something going back to every war, uh, as far back as the Civil War. We have mm-hmm. uniforms um, and memorabilia and, and just a ton of military information and articles and uh, bayonets and a purple heart. I mean, there's just so many different things in there. In that room, we also have that geared toward our police and fire departments in, our, in the city of Buffalo. Um, with stuff that goes back years for the, those departments. In the third room, um, we call it our chapel room. Our neighborhood actually at one point had nine churches in it, and there were three Catholic churches and other de- the six other denominations. And one of the churches that was in the neighborhood um, was closed for years, and a woman who bought it actually donated the altar from her church to our museum. 
and it was a uh, built in 1896 by German immigrants. And she actually donated it to us, and we have that on display in the chapel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have in that room a, a, a piano that's 115 years old from um, the Bloker family, which was a wealthy family in the city of Buffalo way back when that was donated. So that you know, it's set up with the altar and the the the, org, the piano and we have a couple kneelers that were left there from the funeral director, so they're there. Um, a lot of pictures and um, different things such as that. So is there any particular item? I mean, a lot of times uh, older items, uh, especially the town, they, they have attachments. Uh, do you feel any attachments to these items? There is one uniform um, that is hung in the military room that people um, have come in and taken pictures of, and, and, and there's... I'm not a real big fan of orbs um, because a lot of stuff, but this one particular uniform, people get a lot of orby-type figures on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we also have, a in the military room, we have a, uh, a footlocker that they used in the military years ago that belonged um, to a gentleman um, in one of the suburban areas that was given to us. And every so often, you hear something knock from the inside of that case. Oh, you got to um, let the poor guy it, out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but you're not the one running in there to open it, are you? <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> no. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I tried. No, I'm curious. Um, you don't like to be in there when you're alone. But my impression is Correct. that... The, the spirits that are there actually have, like, they, they, they seem to have, like, a, a positive impression of you. So I'm wondering, what is it just, has anything happened that made you, like, nervous to go back there? Have you ever felt like you were touched? Or um, just what was it stops you from maybe just walking through the building on your own? Well, there have been incidents where um, we've been investigating, but there have been times um, that we, as a, as a, just as a group of friends, will hang out and investigate there. And um, I, I have had touch something touch the back of my neck. I mean, you actually feel like a, a, a finger. Yep. It's, it's right on the back of the neck. It's very creepy. And um, my name has been called out on numerous occasions. I'll be turning off a light or something and I'll hurt, you know, you'll hear someone call my name and there's nobody there. And, you know, walking through someplace, you know what's going on there. You just don't want something to pop out at you or, or it's hard to describe. It's outside your comfort zone. I'm sorry? Is it outside your comfort zone, maybe? I would think that would be it. Yeah. I would. Honestly, as somebody who gets like premonitions and different things, honestly, I, I get all this impression of a lot of men but they have a very positive impression of you. And I honestly believe the reason why you ended up getting this property was because you were going to be the one to put these people to rest. Mm-hmm. I really do. And and I, you know, I, I don't think anything would ever happen that would, I, I don't think there's an intention to scare you, but I, I just get this impression of these men that are smiling, that they have a really strong, like a, a positive impression of you. That's what I keep getting. Yeah. Because if that uh, would have fell into the wrong hands, somebody would have just, Throwing them in the dump. Probably, that's right. right. Put it in a dumpster or something, and, and then these guys. Yeah. Like, that's why. That's why you came to. We always say in our podcast, there's no such thing as coincidences. You were meant to be connected mm-hmm. to this property because you were the one who was going to put these people 
and a proper resting proper place. burial. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- that that truly is a wonderful feeling, though, and it, it, that was um, amazing. I just can't describe it. So if that's the case, if you know, were to believe in that, yeah, I think that's a really good thing. Were you always um, popular with the men, Linda? <laughs> we'll take that as a yes and move right along. <laughs> yeah, but I really think the spirits are there. They, they've got a very, very positive impression of you. I don't want to say I'm unpopular, but okay, yeah, that, that's a, yeah. There you go. There you go. Road trip, boys. <laughs> yeah, they like you when you're alive, think, and apparently they like you when they're dead too. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm blushing. <laughs> Yeah. We do get a ton of people. It, it amazes us how um, how many people do show up from all over the world. I mean, literally all over the world, and mm-hmm. and we map them out if they, you know, where they're from. If they're not pinned, we have this huge map at the end of our hallway, and um, we pin people when they come in if they're not their city or state or country isn't pinned yet. Oh, nice. So it's it's pretty interesting. Really, I think even the fact of your you being surrounded by railway and your railway memorabilia. There's a lot of people that are into railways or even model railways. And the military stuff too. As oh, well, yeah. Right? The military yeah. would attract. You can see why the property has a lot of, like, so you have a funeral home, so all the things that go along with that. Um, a church, there yep. would have been ceremonies, there would have been funerals, there would have been the whole nine yards. The poor guys in the urns right. in, the, in yeah. the basement. Yeah, that's right. I'm just curious. When people come, and I saw on your website, you can do tours, self-guided tours, and what have you. Do you guys have any, like, uh, rules as far as, like, um, the people that when they come in, like, they need to be respectful of the spirits? Or just wonder if you have any boundaries and that kind of thing. Sometimes it's kind of, like, self-explanatory that you just don't, it's a museum to begin with, so you don't want to do anything disrespectful. And over all these years... I can only remember one person who did something that they shouldn't have. Okay. And okay. Um, and that was it. I mean, we do, um, you know, overnights. We let people, groups come in and investigate with one of our guides. And they really are very respectful of Good. everything that's in there. And, you know, we don't want to come in there and, and antagonize or yeah. anything like that. So so I don't think that'd go over big. I just, I, yeah. if somebody did go in there and was really disrespectful... I have a feeling that some right. of the people there, like if they were there to instigate or uh, yeah, be, you know, get the ghosts worked out. Yeah, like, or, or, you know, people who are like maybe that they're, they want to get a, a, a rise out of them. Or they don't Say believe. something negative about the military or, or they don't believe, or they don't believe. And like, oh, no such thing yeah, as ghosts. Yeah, I think the spirits that were there would, would not be, like, they would be negative towards that. Right. Maybe, maybe they'd make sure that person didn't have a good night. We've had people come in there that are very, very skeptical, and which is understandable, and it's fine. And, you know, we don't push it on them like, oh, you have to believe. It's, it's whatever they believe is fine. But they've come in there, and they've talked like that during a tour or something, and, and then something happens to them. Like they climb the ladder, and they go in the attic, and they hear a voice, or they, they feel really creeped out in a certain area, or something weird will happen to them, and then they're like, "Oh my God, this is really for for real." Right. <laughs> so you're open to if people just want to bring in their EMF or their uh, recorders, you're open to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they they even when people come in on tours, they come in. We always tell them if you're in to take a picture, feel free to take pictures. Um, again, it's 
it, they really enjoy it. And one of the things, um, you know, we only charge $5 for a tour uh, mm-hmm. per person if, the, if it's a regular tool, not the tour, not the self-guided. And, you know, people keep yelling at me, raise the prices, raise the prices, and I refuse to. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to come in there um, and be able to enjoy themselves and families to come in. You know, we get a lot of families come in together with a mother and father and their children or or whatever, and, and they just have such a good time and and really enjoy the the, the museum, the atmosphere, fear and the you know the people itself. That got my mom is the tour guide; she's the curator of the museum. You know, people just love her. It's really a family affair, then. It is, yes. And, and most of our volunteers now that have um, been around for years, were even if. They're not blood family. They're like family. Have you ever had uh, any visitors come in to actually do uh, paranormal investigations and they ended up leaving a lot quicker than you thought? Yeah. Chased chased, chased out of the building? You mean like go running out of the building? Yeah, like they they called their night off early because of the the activity. Um, I don't recall that happening too often. I think it happened once, but that doesn't happen too often. Okay. They, they they mostly really get into it. You know, if something is going on, it, you know, they get really into what's going on. And they, uh, you know, but then, you know, if you've ever experienced it's a ghost hunt, it's, you know, they always say it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> yeah, um, it can be. You know, yeah. you're sure. sitting there and nothing's happening. And then that one thing can happen that can make the whole evening phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, and... You know, you just don't know when something's going to happen or if it's going to happen. You can never guarantee anything. Some of these uh, pictures that people have taken and they share them with you as well as maybe their EVPs and stuff? They definitely do. And we try to post uh, most of it on our Facebook page um, or EVPs that we pick up. Um, you know, we're not experts. We don't have all this big equipment. To, you know, we record from our a digital recorder. If we picked up an EVP, we record it on our phone and we post it on our Facebook page, you know, to let people let people hear it. And, um, yeah, we definitely, definitely will accept. And we want to see what everybody has. All right. You got any uh, really good ghost stories that uh, you could share with us? I mean, you've shared a couple already, but uh, uh, any more that you can share with us, then? Um, well, I, I'll tell you about a story that, um, happened back in October 2006. This goes back a little ways. Um, I was not home at the time. Um, I was not in Buffalo. I was out on a motorcycle traveling around Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Hmm. And there was a very freak storm in Buffalo, snowstorm. And everybody, there caused a ton of damage. People lost their power. And there was only one place that didn't lose the power, and that was the museum. My entire family happened to go over there. Um, it was a Sunday afternoon, and they were watching the Buffalo Bills play. And they um, were sitting in the very back room, and my brother, at the time, he had looked up toward the front, um, and there was a man standing in the hallway. He looked at my mother, and my mother said, did you just see that? And he said, yeah. Um, who was that? And she said, I don't know. And they, they walked up to the front and there was nobody there. When, um, my brother saw the picture of Edgar, which mind you, wasn't until four years later, he remembered the person standing there and said it looked like Edgar. There's, um, there's other, there's other in- incidents that have happened where, um, my mother used to go there and they're a lot alone 
um, because we all worked full-time jobs. She was retired. So she would go in there and, you know, clean up and make, make the displays or whatever. Um, and she's experienced quite a bit where she has seen um, a, a man with red eyes and um, she's seen a little girl, um, which she really was threatened by this little girl. She felt as if this little girl was going to kill her. That's the way she describes her. Hmm. Wow. And um, the time, the day she saw the little girl, um, she called me at work and I said, get the hell out of there. <laughs> and she, um, so she left. But later that night, myself and um, uh, my friend Patrick Burke, who was a uh, founder of Buffalo Paranormal Investigation, we went into the building and we were asking, you know, who was in there, who was trying to scare Marge. And then um, Patrick had said, um, we'll come in on Saturday, me and my team, and, and we'll try to figure out more then. And we picked up an EVP at the time of a man saying, I'll get you then. Wow. Yeah. It just, it Has anyone else seen, seen the spirit with the red eyes other than your mom? I don't know. I haven't heard of anyone seeing them, but but people have seen this shadow figure going around or walking around. They have definitely seen that. And, um, you know, whether it's the same person, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, again, it's, it, you know, you ask them, tell us your name and they don't, they don't just say, well, my name is Joe Blow and I live at 1234 yeah, yeah. Street. You know, I mean, they, you wish they would. Yes. You know, we've picked up some, some weird stuff in the military room where we, we sit in a, we have these, uh, big wing back chairs in that room and we'll sit in a chair and we'll be talking and all of a sudden you feel something pound like they're punching underneath the chair. And you feel it um, on your butt. You feel this punch, and um, or something is walking, like even marching is the way we describe it around the room. You'll hear that. Hmm. Um, we don't necessarily see anything, but we hear it, hmm. which is you know even worse than to me as to seeing something is when you're just hearing something and nothing is there. And again, I don't know if it's a residual thing, or if it's a an intelligent, an intelligent haunt, or if it's a residual mm-hmm. haunt. You just mm-hmm. don't know. We're speaking with with Linda from the Iron Island Museum. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Okay, we're back on Phantom Faction Podcast, and uh, Linda is on the line from the Iron Island Museum uh, close to Buffalo, New York. We are in Buffalo. You are in Buffalo. Okay, you're yeah, close you're, to the we border. Are actually yeah. in Buffalo. You're right. Yep. You're, we're, we're 10 minutes from the border. John has uh, has kind of picked up on a lot of things that uh, you have said about these spirits uh, at the uh, museum. So, John, I'm going to let you uh, tell us what, what you've come up with. Well, I um, I was saying to Linda in the break that I keep getting... And I and I believe that I'm seeing these images of men, um, varying ages from young to you know maybe 40s sort of thing, um, but they're really happy. And I I believe it's because you were the instrument that made sure that they got put to rest properly, um, and some respect was shown that that should have been. Um, and then you talked about your mother seeing this this spirit with the red eyes, and I instantly got this. Uh, how do I word it? I, it's almost like I get like a a jab goes right up through my back. Mm-hmm. And I perceive that as the only negative spirit that I'm sensing that's there. 
And I really wonder if that was maybe the original funeral director. And that's, you know, these men now know what he didn't do was not make sure they put the rest properly. And this is how he's manifesting himself now. That's just what I... But he seems to be the only thing that's negative in your... That I'm com- that's coming through right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have had, Linda, something where you've had other things happen where people have sensed like a, a negative spirit, if you will. Or is it more just sensing activity from spirits in general? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I feel like... Um my feeling, again, and I'm not a professional at anything when it comes to this stuff, but I feel like when we, there's certain people that would become, quote-unquote, our friends, mm-hmm. and they would hang out at the, at the museum, and they were more of a negative energy themselves. Yep. I feel as though we would have more negative energy in the museum from the spirits. They, they, and they, they when didn't the want them there. In their, in, yeah, and then, yeah. then when this person would leave or no longer come around or whatever, that negative energy would go away. Right, right. Um, so I do think that, you know, the person themselves, the, the living, um, it has a lot to do with what happened there. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. If, if Especially you, you figure those spirits have been there so long. It's kind of like the, like a second home, if you will, to them or a place that they've been. And if somebody walks in and they're a really negative individual, it's like your own home. Like you would rather they got a. Yeah. Um, we people have you know again, it's what you believe in as far as the psychic or medium, and you know there've been some charlatans you don't even want there, and there's some that you think, wow, they really do know it, and mm-hmm. we've been able to document um, what they've told us. Um, have said that we might be like a portal. Um, and we were told we have two portals in our building that the spirits might come through and go out. Right. Um, you know, maybe this just all sounds crazy to me sometimes, but maybe, um, the spirits talk to each other and say, oh, this is a place to go. They, they have, they talk to us and they listen to us and they want to know about us or, you know, whatever. And, you know, people always say, you know, it's hard for us to talk about the children. Um, there was another little boy who died at the age of six from leukemia. Mm-hmm. And the psychic had come in and said he was there and his name was Tommy. And he was in the same room that Richard was in. And we were able to identify that there was a young boy named uh, Tommy Colangelo who died at the age of six from leukemia and he was waked out of that building. And then he used to go fishing with his dad on the boat. And one of the first EVPs we picked up was boat, a little boy saying boat. Uh, and we say, well, how can you talk about the kids, you know, these poor kids? But, you know, these people, they were people. Mm-hmm. Everyone was a person at one point. And it's nice to remember to know that they were somebody. Yes. And that's one reason why I, I, I will talk about them. I will continue to talk about them. And, you know, just to bring attention that they were part of this world at one point. Sure. Oh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, John. Do you pick up anything on on the little boy at all? Or no, you know what's funny. The, the, the I'm getting nothing on kids. Right. It's just um, right now the biggest thing I'm getting is I keep getting that the guy with the red eyes. If some research was done, maybe a photo found uh, that might your mother might go, yeah, that's the outfit he was wearing. But I really think that he was that funeral. Whichever funeral director left those uh, remains, mm-hmm. 
I believe that's who the red-eyed person was that your mother saw. I really do. I, I really do. And he's oh. he's angry. Like, and but I think it's it's more he's angry at himself and what he did is kind of now known, you know. But you also had didn't you have another funeral director that took over and kind of left this, what's going on there as well? Well, there were three uh, three different funeral owners from the building. Ah, okay. The original funeral the original funeral director who um built the building uh, built the funeral home into it, he um he had the contract with our county to cremate um uh veterans that were like left in um nursing homes, or their families never picked them up or, their, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um so that's why there were so many veterans there to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, it's just weird because it seems like, you know, it, it's not that long ago, but back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, there wasn't so much attention paid to this type of thing. No. And, um, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but um, there are thousands of cremated remains that are never picked up mm-hmm. of, of, you know, veterans and, you know, just average Joes. And it's just amazing how many are out there. Right. Um, but then, then there was another funeral home that, which here's what I confuses me is that the, the remains were in a closet in the basement, and they were left there by the first funeral director. Okay. The second funeral director never did anything with them, and the third funeral director didn't even know they were down there until we came across them. So, it, you know, when these individuals died, they were left in a closet with nobody. To care for them. Right. I, I wonder what kind of activity went on in that place with the funeral directors. I wonder if these guys gave them a hard time because, you know, hey, you're not finishing the job kind of thing. Be curious it could to be. Know. It yeah. could be. Yeah. The, the, the original funeral director, he did talk to us, and he and he told us that there were there were hauntings there when he was there. Yeah, I believe um, it. So he, was, he opened up in, like, in 1958, and he was there probably until... Um, the late 80s, early 90s, I think, okay. um, yeah. before he sold out. So, um, you know, who knows what could have really been going on there. And again, nobody paid attention. Yeah, yeah. You know, years, years ago, if something like this happened, they'd lock you up in some kind of psych center and think you're crazy. But in reality, something was really going on. Sorry. And, and I do believe the, the way the world works. Um, all this went on, so you get a new funeral director, he does nothing. Another funeral director, he does nothing, doesn't even know they're there. And it's like, okay, we got to get these guys looked after. And that's why you ended up being in this building. Because you were the person to, to, you know, put a period at the end of it, right? I really, because like I said, we don't, we don't believe in coincidences. Things happen for a reason. And, and that's, I believe that's why you're there 100%. So that those guys can get the respect they deserve. Honored to be the one maybe able to do that, to be honest well, you with you. Be. Yeah. And I think your location uh, as well. I mean... You've got Lake Erie right there. Mm-hmm. You've got all these railway tracks with heavy iron. You know, yeah, um, yep. a lot of energy being produced. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> a lot of energy. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of portals, as you mentioned. Now, yep. Linda, I've never been to the museum. Uh, I've been to Buffalo a bunch of times. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of neighborhood you're in, but have any of your neighbors? whether they're in homes or other types of buildings, have they ever come over and, and shared any paranormal stories with you? 
Like, is it is it something that's uh, in the neighborhood? Or? Yeah, yeah. Maybe just not in your location. Any any stories related to the museum or any stories related to themselves? Like if your neighbors ever came over and said, you know, I saw this uh, spirit of a man in a soldier's uniform in my backyard. Okay. Or in my kitchen. I uh, um, We had, there were two ind- two different individuals. One woman had, had been walking past our building and her she was with her son and her son saw a little boy playing with a ball in the driveway. And he said to his mother, can I go play with them? And the mother's like, who are you talking about? There was no one. She couldn't see anything. Right, yeah. And then another woman saw a little boy in the winter outside in a pair of um, uh, shorts with suspenders on. And she would call the police, and the police would come over and no one was there. She'd see him again, and she'd call again before he was there. And there was never anybody there. They never saw any footprints or anything in the um, the snow. But there's different. There's so much history in this neighborhood. You know, it was originally started in the late 1800s by German immigrants, and they were working on the railroads, and they were building up the homes in the area, um, and they were building the homes to be double homes, an upstairs, downstairs flat, where they would end up bringing their families over to live here. You know, I'm sure there's a lot. of churches that were here are super old. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of different stories you just don't even hear about because, mm-hmm. again, people are afraid if they start telling a story, yep. some of them think they're crazy. A lot of people that even we ask to be guests on this show. Yeah. <laughs> even after they say they will. <laughs> yeah. 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 It will not. Yes. Yeah. So we're glad. Well, I love talking about it. If they think I'm crazy, well, then I'm crazy. But I, I just love to talk about it. It's, you know, it's history. It's, if you, First of all, you can't have hauntings without the history, and history is wonderful to learn about the history of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how people can uh, find out more about your museum? Um, of course, social media, websites, and... Yeah, uh, if they want to come visit the museum. Okay, there, well, we do have a website. It's called ironislandmuseum.com. Um, we put just mostly some of our events are on that page. Most of our stuff is right through our um, Facebook page, which is just Iron Island Museum. So like the page and, you know, um, browse through it with the different videos and pictures and different stories that are on there. Um, we are on Groupon, which um, people can purchase discounted tickets um, through Groupon for tours. The Iron Island Museum is actually one of the top ten things to do in the city of Buffalo. Oh, nice. And uh, people... When people Google us, they, they or Google top ten things to do, we come up. Well, there's, they, there's they, only really eight things to do in Buffalo, so I wouldn't brag about that. <laughs> Ignore him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you are just a car yourself, I'll tell you. Um, um, well, the Sabres but, must um, be there, right? And yeah. the Bills. Hey, you, got the, you got the Bills and the Sabres. You can't complain about that. I'll tell you that well, right you, now. Got, you got the Blue Jays farm team there with the Bisons, too. So yeah, I guess I should there be quiet. There you go. Yeah. But um, there's just those different ways to do it. We, have, you know, we do have tours on Thursday evenings and Saturday mornings. Um, we have um, overnights, um, you know, where they could come in and investigate for six hours or whatever it is with um, some guide, one of our guides. Hmm. Um, and um, we just hold special events every so often. And during October, it's just our crazy month, and we get a lot of people all the time in October. It's just insane. 
Thank awesome. you so much for joining us. It was very interesting. So when you when you coming? Tomorrow. <laughs> it's only an hour and a half drive from here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll certainly let bad. you know though if if we do head your way. So that's right. We want the uh, the Phantom Faction discount and the tour. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's five bucks American is like a hundred Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta save I've up. For, yeah, we gotta save up. House. We gotta save up. Yeah. We gotta save up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Apparently, we can take a train. Oh, we can take <laughs> many trains. Yeah. That was actually a very neat story because I really the way you just see how it all connects, right? And these veterans needed to be looked after, and somebody come along and did. So it's a very, very nice, nice story. Look up Edgar Zernicki if you Google Edgar Zernicki. That's Z E R N I C K E. Yeah. You will be able to see all the different stories that were written about that. Um, really? It was a big deal. Um, the, you know, he he made the St. Louis newspaper because that's where he originally was from. So being a man on ghost hunters, a, a psychic giving us his name, was able to ver to verify veteran status and bury them. Nice, so it's pretty nice. cool. I'll check that out. Very good. Hey, thanks, Linda. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Bye bye. Bye now. Okay, we thank uh, Linda for uh, sharing her stories with us. And if you're ever in the Buffalo, New York area, uh, make sure you check out the Iron Island Museum. Especially if you're one of the southern Ontario residents that cross the border to go shopping all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there right? you go. Yeah. That's right. Forget the outlets and head to the museum instead. Dan's been uh, working on a book for a long time. Oh my and... goodness, the, the saga of my, of my book. Right. Because uh, it was done. A long time ago, <laughs> and then there were some glitches and some other, you know, publication. I, I blame the spirits. I blame the spirits. <laughs> yeah, they're messing with me. But my book, Strange Happenings: A Paranormal Investigator's Story, is now available on Kindle, Kobo, Nook, Apple Books, every all the ebook. Uh, platforms. That's fantastic. And it's only six ninety nine, and hopefully tomorrow it will be ready for print version on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So if you actually want a physical copy instead of the ebook, then you can order it from Amazon. And I will uh, let everybody know on the Phantom Faction Facebook page when that uh, when that happens. Like I said, hopefully it's tomorrow. And the uh, by the time we get the, the podcast up, that'll be. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, uh, right. the right time anyway. So, some of the uh, stories of you when you were a young man. Uh, we'll like you give our, our origin story. Right. Well, my origin story. Right. It talks a little bit, of, you know, well, a lot about you know things that John and I have been involved in, mm -hmm. things that Chip mm -hmm. and we have been involved in, and some other creepy things that have happened along the way in the past couple of years. Yeah. So. Uh, Tony bought a copy. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> our uh, our chaperone from the Wellington Museum, uh, mm -hmm. Kyle. He he's already bought a copy, and so far mm -hmm. I've got positive feedback from from them. Right. And uh, I hope some of our listeners check it out. And let, John, let did us you sign know. a waiver? Make sure. That... Yeah, I got to check. I don't know. I I think I'm entitled <laughs> to some royalties or something. I have to check. Yeah. <laughs> But we'll figure that out later. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that when your book comes out. There you go. If you ever get it go. finished. We yeah. will. We will. We'll get it finished. And I would think, Dan, I mean, this is uh, book number one for you, but I would think there could be 
some other books on the way. Well, I got, like I said, I'm working on two fiction novels. Mm -hmm. They're horror related, right. but they've got some paranormal stuff to them. So, like when you know when uh, when John reads the the second one, which mm -hmm. is called The Valley, mm -hmm. he'll he'll pick up on some uh, some stuff that might be familiar to him. Yeah. And uh, the other, the other one is called. Uh, well, I'm not, not not sure the name right. for the third one yet, but it's it's like a slasher horror, <laughs> you know, guy cool. gone, you know, silent big dude gone. Yeah, free, like the Michael Myers, uh, Jason. Right. Thing. But uh, it's been been a lot of fun, and I'm sure if we keep doing all this and our, our ghostly adventures, then there might be another uh, paranormal book one day oh, too. I would think so. I so think especially so. if we keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.